there, everybody, and listeners. Well, this is Respawn Aim Fire, a kick-ass Raven gaming podcast brought to you by Affable Idiots. Woohoo! I am one of your hosts, Chad Michael, not my real accent, Ennis. And we've got over here our regular co-host, Adam. Prove your real accent, Gumbert. Hey there, partner. This is uh, how I truly talk normally when I'm on the podcast. I go out of my way to sound a bit different. But this, I'm going to start being the true me. You know what I mean? Yes, live your truth. Speaking of truth, Alex, not really a Canadian. Cozina, tell us your... <laughs> hey, y'all. Not actually Canadian. I'm here from Kentucky. I'm actually joined today by another very special guest. No, it's not another Donkey Kong Lego set. It's uh, the official comedy button... Scott Bromley is afraid of birds shirt. <laughs> very good. Very good. I thought for a second that was an iguana that he was holding, but that is, you're right. That is a bird. That is a bird. It is. Welcome, everyone. Who, I who are, <laughs> I want my bird. You can join us here right now, live yeah. at around 830 Eastern time. I, I don't mean to interrupt well, your you did whole it, so. opening preamble, but I did. Do you remember like a time in history when the MCU was what's his face being like, I want my bird. Like that was like the peak of villainy within the intercontinented contenected comic book cinematic universe. It was birds. that in uh was Jeff Bridges screening. Tony oh, yeah. Stark made this Tony scraps. <laughs> Good. That guy was a good villain. Oh, he's Bird really guy, good. not good so much. I feel like yeah. all of Phase One and Two of the MCU is just summed up in three Andy Cortez MCU impressions, and it's Tony. I want my bird. I never freeze. <laughs> and that's I never it. Freeze. It is. Was Black Panther Panther season? I mean, season. That was Phase yeah, Two phase or Phase Three. three? Phase uh, I think it was three. Well, all of the yeah. MCU then is Phase is. Fuck. All right. Twitch.tv slash Affable Idiots is where you can join us right now, like Robbie Bobby Miller saying yo in the chat. What's up, Robbie Bobby Miller? I hey, like saying Robbie your name, Bobby. so I'm going to say it a few more times. Robbie Bobby Miller. Bibby. Ricky Bibby. Uh, we are starting eight minutes later than we promised because we've started early so many times in the past we had to make up for it. So uh, if you don't want to deal with that anxiety of trying to guess exactly when we're going to sign on, you can listen to us on demand on YouTube and podcast services Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern time. How about them dolphins, Robbie Bobby Miller in the chat? They're pretty Holy cool. Shit. I heard Guys. they are more. I heard they're more aggressive in real life than they appear on TV. Record-setting dolphins, Bobby. I get it. Real quick, real quick. Yeah. Uh, when we tweeted out that the show is live, I tweeted, mm -hmm. also on this episode, TMI with NPD returns for the year 2003. Come and learn how many football games made the list. And look at this. Look who liked it on Twitter. It's Animami. I'm going to click into Animami and, oh, looks like another one of those chatbots. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> we have got a few things today, but we're starting out with the big one, the big bomb that dropped right before our episode went live last week. The potential Xbox future from Taylor Isles. Now, there was a bunch of shit that leaked through this. Um, we are going to talk about... Uh, we've got some bullet points here. And the way that I want to do this is I'll go bullet point by bullet point. And if this is something that interests you, that you would like to linger on or talk about, I would love for you to visually raise your hand. I'm talking to the listeners now. Listeners, visually raise your hand in your car, at church, wherever you are listening to this right now. And then I will pause... Otherwise, we will just continue rolling because there's a lot to get to here. Woo! 
So, some updates. This week, several unredacted, highly confidential documents from Microsoft began appearing online. These documents were part of Microsoft's legal case against the U.S. regulator, the FTC. The documents have revealed highly sensitive information regarding Microsoft's gaming arm, Xbox, where its hardware roadmap is in the where its hardware roadmap is in the coming years, and other game developers it has had its eye on acquiring. A disclaimer up front. Most of these documents, if not all, are from at least two or three years ago. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. Some of this might not be accurate. <laughs> in fact, this first one we're going to talk about is definitely not accurate. Uh, but there are some some things here that are really interesting to discuss otherwise. Starting with the Elder Scrolls 6. Yes, that title screen we got several years ago. The next major installment in Bethesda's fantasy RPG series entered the early stages of development late last month. Axios reporter Stephen Totilla reveals that the Elder Scrolls 6 is not only skipping PlayStation platforms, but could release as early as 2026. Interestingly enough, in this roadmap thing, uh, they had pegged it as a 2024 release. Looks like that's not going to hmm. happen. <laughs> you said, um, oh, you're talking about the yeah. date was the thing that wasn't accurate. Right. Yeah, yeah. I believe, I mean, we'll get to it because there's more about Bethesda games later, but these were like, some of these were roadmap before they were even acquired by Microsoft. So it's like, yeah. here's a bunch of games. Maybe <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, Fallout or uh, Elder Scrolls 6. Not shocked it's exclusive though. I know when you know when they're like, what's gonna stay and what's not going what's not gonna be exclusive? I'm like, well, if it's already there, they're not gonna take it away. Anything new, probably not gonna get. That just makes sense. So when this game comes out um in eight years, I would assume yeah. it would only be on <laughs> Xbox and PC. I'm very yeah. excited for eight years from now though. Entering early stages of development means what do we want this game to look like? What do we want this game to feel like? What engine do we want to use? Like, that's the Probably kind of discussion that, that goes on there. Swords and magic, for sure. Yeah, swords. Engine should out. definitely be Unity. I think that it's the prime time <laughs> to take advantage of that piece of hardware. Yes. Software. Yeah. I love that. Did you? We don't talk about it in here at all, and it's old news by now, but like that, that subtle dig where Unity's like, oh, actually, uh, if you're an indie developer uh, or you're charity, we're not going to make you pay the, the 20 cents for install. We're actually going to make Microsoft do that if you're on Game Pass without even talking to Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, anyway. oh you Whoopsie are. Daisy. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to do what now? <laughs> Here's the one that makes the biggest headlines Microsoft is planning to release updated Xbox Series X and S models next year. The new Series X, the higher end one, codenamed Brooklyn, is more compact than the original model. And like the Series S, it lacks a disk drive. The document also reveals that this console will feature 2 terabytes of storage and 16 gigabytes of RAM. The update Series S, codenamed Elwood, will include 10 gigabytes of RAM. Pricing will remain the same as its predecessors according to Xbox. The document notes that both consoles will be announced concurrently next summer, with Elwood releasing in August 2024 and Brooklyn releasing in October 2024. This is big. So, it, it's big. It's also, like, there's nothing in here that's, like, particularly shocking or, like, world-bending. I will say, is it not a little bit weird to you guys that Xbox's upcoming uh, console refresh that is cylindrical-shaped cannot play CDs? <laughs> like, you would think that, like, a cylindrically shaped video game console would be able to play CDs better than ever before, because it's literally shaped like CDs, uh, and yet it can't. 
Now, actually, if you think about it, every device currently that plays CDs is a weird shape because they're just useless. And why do we still have disc in the year 2023? Right. So the quicker we get rid of that form factor, I say the better. Yeah, it I, is, mean, I, don't, I don't have a I don't have a leg in this race, really. Like at this point, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm fine with the all digital feature. It's just a little bit weird to me that I don't know shapes, you know, shapes are weird. Shapes are weird. They are strange. <laughs> there is uh, I posted this after the leaks happened. And I'm just going to toot my own horn a little bit. So the Xbox Series X was a rectangular prism. And then they curved the sides of it to make it a cylinder. The next step mm -hmm. is just curving the tops and bottom. And then it's a sphere. And then it's the Okama Game Sphere from South Park. And we're in the future. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Mm, a great episode. Yes. Was that the... No, what's the one where they're... Is it the one where they're looking for a Wii? It was also very good. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And that's the one where like Cartman freezes himself. And goes forward in time. So he can go to the future <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for like two months ahead or whatever. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I would say mid-generation mid stuff seems to be the norm now. We're also yeah. supposedly getting it from PlayStation. We got it last gen, got it this gen. Cool. Um, so you'd still have the option to buy something with the disc, but if you just want to get the new model, allegedly digital only, which again, I'm like, fine, great. Now here, here's where it gets funky. They have listed the Xbox Series S as going end of life. And part of the plans were, according to these leaks, is that it'll be uh, super discounted on Black Friday this year to prepare for that. But they also, in those same documents, noted that the Series X, the current version of Series X, will also go end of life when the new one's available. Meaning there will not be a disc version of any console available in Xbox's current lineup as of August 2024. Mm -hmm. And no seeming like solution for folks who have discs people who would like to buy discs in the future, people who have backwards compatible collections that Microsoft worked so hard to make available on these new consoles that now are just not playable. And that's mm -hmm. an interesting thing to... to and, and also another caveat as part of this is that part of what leaked in this is about three quarters of all Xbox series sold have been S's instead of X. So they're already digital only in this generation. Only a quarter of people still even have a disc drive, which is interesting. I'm... That's an option. Jumping a little bit ahead in this, but, you know, these documents talked oh so much about how Microsoft was interested in buying Nintendo. I think the solution to all this is they should go through with buying Nintendo because Nintendo's bizarre, arcane bullshit is going to rub off on them. And they're going to be like, oh, solution to the problem. Just release a like Sega CD, like 32X add on where you plug it into the Xbox Series X and then you can play CDs off of the add on. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if PlayStation and Xbox both do that. Because the, the rumor was that the new PlayStation upgrade would not have a disk drive, but one you could attach. So right. they, they could just sell separate disk drives if, in the future and cut it out from the cost of the initial system. Like, if you want to waste money for bullshit, go right ahead. Man, I had a great mental image in my mind, which is, if they do that, I hope, pray to God, that it makes it look like a toilet seat. Like, have it be like like a <laughs> like flat, like cylindrical thingy that like you plug into the front of the xbox series x so it looks like oh that's like the top part and that's the seat very good we'll have to very see good. if you get a toilet seat xbox or not uh two more things that i think are interesting about this this refresh one is that oh sorry they did the two here's the balloons sorry <laughs> um one is that it doesn't seem like it is more powerful and that is seems to be on purpose which makes it more in line of like this is the slim model of the series x rather than last generation's Pro or 1X versions of these things. Um, but the second thing 
was they released like a spec sheet of all of the consoles and they had a controller which we'll talk about in a second and they had a series x that we'll talk about they that had the regular versions and then they have the same thing basically just with xdl do you all know what xdl stands for extra long dick wait close. extra dick long <laughs> <laughs> xylophone some... dildo langelier so i at first i thought it was like oh this is just like the specs will release in another region, maybe, or another version for uh, China or something like that. No, XDL stands for Xbox Design Lab, y'all. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Make your own oh, thing. Yeah. There might be a version of the Series X that you can just customize yourself, and they put it together for you and ship it for the same price, which is like, that's super alluring. Uh, PlayStation right now is going the modular way, where like you buy the white one, and then you can swap out the panels. But like, what if you can just order the one you want from the start, and Xbox ships it mm -hmm. to you as is? Like, that could be really cool. Yeah, let me design my own panels and put them on there for me. Yeah. That sounds fun. Wild. I like that. But ultimately, yeah, this looks to be just a, uh, not a spec bump, just a cost reduction and taking out the drive, making things more efficient. Uh, so that could be coming next year. Also coming alongside it, new mid-generation consoles will come with an all new, more immersive controller. These new features include the following. Improved precision haptic feedback including VCA, which are voice coil actuators, which double as speakers, an accelerometer, which also adds a lift to wake feature, modular thumbsticks, a rechargeable battery by default that you can also swap out. Mm. And here's my favorite thing of all, quieter buttons and thumbsticks. I hate playing games on headset with people who are playing on Xbox controller because it sounds like a freaking tap dancing spider in the halls of a cathedral. <laughs> who are you playing with? Because you mentioned this earlier. And I'm like, who in the world are you playing with that is just like smashing it into the wall? When they, they are play? so loud. The thumbsticks I've never and the D-pad are so loud. Um, so that's very, very uh, good for me here. I like the idea of it. New controllers yeah. are fun. I like to have, like, I love the, I can't ever talk sh uh, shit about DualSense. I'm like, no, I like haptics. I like, yeah. give me super nice rumble. Even, I got to give uh, credit to Joy-Cons. I'm like, yeah, I like 3D rumble, haptic, whatever bullshit. Put more things that hit against the controller that make it feel good. I'm I'm in for all yeah. of that. So that sounds like a fun uh, update. The uh, timeline on this one actually seemed to be before the console. So if things pan out, as according to these leaks, this will be released around May of 2024. So maybe rethink buying extra controllers this year or rethink buying an elite controller until one has haptics. And, and... oh, uh, another defining feature of these things is like the Stadia controller. These also connect directly via Wi-Fi to Xbox cloud services. Mm, so they've improved okay. Wi-Fi, improved connectivity as well with Xbox Wireless 2. Um, so it's a, another addition there that separates it from the current ones. Leak number three. Xbox is planning to release a next-gen Xbox console in 2028. So we have five more years of current gen, if this is to be believed. One document release mentions this new Xbox system will be a, quote, next-generation hybrid game platform with development kits slated to launch in 2027. The document mentions a, quote, thin OS, for a sub $99 consumer or handheld devices, implying that Microsoft may release a handheld device dedicated to cloud games. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, everyone else is making a cloud device. Why not do it 
at launch of the next gen console and be your own brand or whatever. It it really does seem like everyone's going to go that way. We'll see if this pans out. Um, but everyone who has those devices say that they work pretty good. There's no problems with them. So yeah, I guess especially for ninety nine bucks, if you can get someone to subscribe to Game Pass for someone who's not super into gaming, but we're like, oh, I'll buy my kid a hundred dollar thing so they can play Game Pass around the house. Sure, why not? I know on this podcast leading up to the release of the new consoles, we all, we had assumed, I think this is me and Holden at the time, we had assumed that the Series S would have been that streaming only sub $99 version of this thing. And then they announced like, oh no, it is actually a full-fledged console. But I think five years from now, cloud streaming technology will be evolved so much. Handheld technology and efficiency and, and, and all of that will have evolved so much that this could be a, a very viable option. In addition to some of the, the announcements that they had in those slides where they were looking at the future of the next gen and what that might mean. And it's like simultaneous compute happening on the console and in the cloud at the same time during these games. Uh, and that was definitely listed as the like things that are ripe for exploring, but we haven't figured out yet category. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see where handheld cloud gaming is in five years when this comes. Yeah, because like I know this generation, a major issue, not a major issue, but a thing that has happened. Because remember at the beginning, every promise was 4 4K 60 and ray tracing. And basically what we've gotten is like pick one or the other. Yeah. You know, there are instances where you get both, but most of the time it's like either do uh, quality or performance mode, right? Sometimes you can get both. Most of the time it seems one or the other. So if you can compute... I don't know if that helps. Like if you compute part on the cloud, part in on the console itself, and now I can get 60 and ray tracing 4K, just standard. That would be awesome. I don't know. I'm not a wizard. I don't well, know how I was that promised uh, that Crackdown works. 3 on Xbox One would have also leveraged the power of the cloud to make more destructible environments in multiplayer, and that did not pan out well. Yeah, I mean, just the game was bad. It did that, but it just <laughs> no one cares, no one gave a shit. So yeah. <laughs> they spent too many teraflops rendering Terry Crews. They didn't have enough. Terry Crews was cool in that game. That's the yeah. one cool thing in that game was Terry Crews. Couple more announcements here. Uh, not announcements. Leaks. Court documents have revealed a roadmap of planned Bethesda games from 2020, including numerous titles that have yet to be confirmed. The new titles are Doom, a Doom, a Doom game called Doom Year Zero which also planned to include DLC in the year of the release, as well as the following year. Obviously, this hasn't been announced or, or shown up yet anywhere, but that is something that I, should have come already, according to that roadmap. I'm pretty excited for this. Uh, you know, we, we played Doom Eternal earlier this year, and uh, like I said recently, like the more and more time passes, the more and more I feel like overall I enjoyed Doom 2016 more than Eternal, but... Eternal had some great stuff in it, and the second DLC episode for that game, like, featured what I felt was, like, really, like, some great kind of gameplay previews of potentially what's to come in the future. I really like some of the stuff that they experimented with in that DLC episode with, like, traversal and using the grappling hook, and I'm interested in seeing where Doom Year Zero goes. Among other games mentioned that we haven't seen yet are Dishonored 3, a oh, sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> I would love Dishonored 3 so much. Continue. As well as remasters of Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Fallout 3. Oblivion has never been remastered or re-released, right? Skyrim's the only nope. one they do that? No. 
Yeah, Skyrim was the one that they kept re-releasing. And also titles simply called Project Kestrel and Project Platinum. And Indiana Jones is billed as a franchise that will include a trilogy of games. And it should also be noted that this list was created likely before the COVID-19 pandemic arrived, which heavily delayed most of the AAA video game development. It's probably, given what you just said, it's probably still a couple of years away. But man, it is going to be so special to be able to replay Fallout 3. That was one of the games that like I sank so many hours into on the PlayStation 3 back in the day. And it'll, it'll be fun to replay through it again, even though presumably, like many of Bethesda's games nowadays, it's only going to be on Xbox and no PlayStation tro trophies to be earned there. Boo. Maybe so. I am excited for Dishonored 3. I don't know. It could, I could literally be 45 years old when that game comes out, but I'll still be excited because there are a lot of us that like that game, regardless of the size of the hands. And uh, <laughs> Dishonored is a really cool franchise. And that is a, that is a game that is strikingly like extremely expensive like if you look at the cast list for dishonored 2 it's insane and then the level design of course everyone mentions the clockwork mansion or whatever it's called clockwork tower mm -hmm. and then the one with the time stuff it did the time back and forth before titanfall or they did it like they launched it like the same time so mm -hmm. uh dishonored's a franchise that does cool stuff so i would be happy to see another one even though nobody plays stealth games like that anymore but i'm do you that. think that this hypothetical dishonored 3 is gonna like heavily incorporate that it's going to bridge the gap between the kind of core Dishonored series and Deathloop now that they've basically confirmed, yeah, they're in the same universe, or do you think it's going to be more close to just one and two? No, I'd probably say it'd stay in the same, but they'll be like, oh, but there's a gun manufacturer that is starting as a business in this, you know, they'll do something yeah. like that. But I'd say that if they're going to do, if you're going to do Dishonored, fucking do Dishonored. Don't do anything else, you know? And that's the uh, the meat of the leaks that we've decided that we're going to cover today. Anything else mm -hmm. that we haven't talked about that y'all are like, man, I would love to talk about this. The only thing for me was the, the Nintendo thing, which when you look mm. at it, it was like, obviously, people were like, well, what? Nobody Nintendo. But I looked more into it, and they were like, hey, Phil, if you could make a list of things that would be the best buys, what would they be? And he's like, okay, I'll just make a list for you. I don't expect them to happen, but here's my list. Also yeah. on that list was Valve and Warner Brothers. So it's like, obviously, he realizes you're not going to buy Valve. Warner Brothers could have happened, because there was a time when it seemed like they were trying to sell off all their game studios. Um, but it's interesting. I don't think a deal like that would ever happen, but I also never assumed that Activision would get sold and that Bungie would get owned four different times by seven different wives. So <laughs> we're in a crazy future where I guess anybody could be purchased because again, these leaked, but I'm sure Sony is also, I'm sure every major corporation in the world is like, what can we buy to make us money? I mean, as we've seen with Embracer they've kind of fucked it up. Uh, so I would not be shocked to see maybe not now because the whole going through the, court process took a long ass time and people were probably soured by that but i wouldn't be shocked if like in the next 10 or 12 years like another huge acquisition happens i don't know by who or what company it would be again nintendo seems off the table but what if what always what uh, if? wigs me out uh by these discussions of you know could microsoft acquire nintendo or vice versa is just the like weird proposition of both like halo and metroid being owned by the same person like i know that like both series are you know very different from each other mechanically but i feel like visually 
like Sanisaren and Master Chief. Like, it just feels like there's a lot of overlap there. Again, uh, not exactly the same, but also like The Legend of Zelda and The Elder Scrolls as well. Different games mechanically, a lot of differences, but also like just enough similarities that I feel like I'd look at that portfolio and be like, I feel like there's a lot of overlap here. I feel like you kind of have, you're kind of covered in a lot of these genres already. Are you suggesting Samus Cheeks at night? I'm not <laughs> not suggesting it. <laughs> That's a callback. Would back. it be surprising uh, to you? We've never seen Master Chief's face. Would it be surprising you to learn that Samus Aran is Master is Chief? Is Master Chief? Oh, snap. What? I will make a bet what? right here, though. I think Square Enix loves to make video games and then say that they've lost a billion dollars, even though it doesn't matter what they sell. <laughs> yeah. I think Square Enix is definitely the next one, and I think I assume Sony would do it because they've made the yeah. most deals with them. I think that's like the for sure, like yeah, Square Enix is the next one. Yeah. yeah. Also, we saw Master Chief's face at the end of Halo Four. It was oh, very did we? brief, but we yeah we did. Okay. It, yeah, it was like on Legendary. You like yeah. see like the bottom of his white face or whatever. Uh, okay. Well, there could be like maybe Samus gets in a, a wreck, and there's some reconstruction surgery that goes on, mm-hmm. and, or maybe transitions. Who knows? Who knows? Could be anything. It's the yeah. future. There's science, you know? That's right. All right. We're going to talk about playtime, where we talk about what we played last week. I'm going to do this in a specific order. I want to go Adam first, and then me, because I'm going to give like a a, uh, a short, spoiler-free review of Sea of Stars, and then I'm going to use that to transition mm-hmm. into Alex playing Sea of Stars and what he did. So, Adam, okay. tell, me what you, tell me what you played. Then I'll do my thing to transition into yours. First nice. up on my list... Uh, this weekend, by the way, really good weekend game pass. There were a couple of games that came out. First one, there were three big ones. I did not play Payday 3 yet. Maybe I'll play it eventually. One of the big games was Party Animals. Um, Party Animals is fucking awesome. Holy shit. It's basically, think of uh, Gang Beast mixed with Fall Guys. And it is just like you get eight friends together and fight with little fuzzy animals and physics and stuff. And it's so good. I think I've played it... So remember we had Alec Bobco on the podcast months ago mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, Alex, you weren't here. Alec uh, replaced you permanently. Uh, or excuse oh, me for no. that one episode. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> um, but he has his group shared screens and they had a game night and they played it and I played it with them. And it's super fun, man. I was just out there. I was a walrus dressed up as a pirate, just drop kicking people just off the edge of a of a submarine. It's such a good game. It's so fun. Uh, and it was on Game Pass. I was like, sure, why not? And it it's legit like really fun like that's just like you want to dick around and have fun and it fills that fall guys thing where like i liked fall guys but it kind of became like a oh i need to do my dailies or whatever and i was like and eh, whatever and i kind of fell off of that but this reinvigorated me and it feels much better and smoother than gang beast which is also a fun game but a game uh, feels like a game that came out in 2017 or whenever it came out so <laughs> party animal super solid it's on pc and uh xbox game pass on the console side so you should check PC it out Game Pass? No, not PC Game Pass. Strangely Boo. enough, I don't know why. But console only at the moment on Xbox, on Game Pass on Xbox, but you can buy it on Steam as well. So that was the first one. Check it out. It's very, very good. Uh, some people said Game of the Year. I feel like that's a little ridiculous. It's very good. I don't know Game of the Year talk, but it's an excellent game. Maybe best party game of the year. Uh, the next thing, Cyberpunk. Guys, Idris Elba will be here when you're hearing the podcast, you can hang out oh. with Idris Elba. Oh, shit. In Dogtown. By the way, I had no idea what the DLC was. And then I listened. The reviews dropped 
late last week or whatever. And you're like, oh, it's Mission Impossible. Like, you're literally doing, like, a spy mission with Idris Elba. I'm like, fuck, that sounds even better. Um, so I went back and played the 2.0 update. And the game was like, oh, yeah, this is the game they probably wanted at launch. Like, all the systems are redone. Everything looks and plays different, runs better. It's like, oh, no. I mean, I already loved Cyberpunk when it came out. I didn't have any issues with it. But it's like, oh, no, they this is like... It's like, you know, we don't want to keep going back to the same example, but it's like No Man's Sky is like, oh, these are the updates that now we, this is the game you were expecting. Um, and yeah, and it's so much, all the, everything just feels better. Like, just look the way the game plays now and things work out. Like, all the systems are improved. They changed completely the perk system and all that, and it, it's a good time. So I started a new gameplay of that, getting ready to hang out with Idris Elba. Uh, Idris Elba DLC is what I'm calling it from now on. Um, and that comes How out on you- Tuesday. How do you manage, I assume you have not beaten and you're still chugging away on Baldur's Gate as well as Starfield and now Cyberpunk. And that's like three giant RPGs. How do you manage all three of those together? I don't know. I ask myself that question. People are like, that's too many big RPGs. I'm like, I don't have any problems. Because normally what I do when I get off of work, I'm just like, don't speak to me, anybody. And I just play games for a couple hours. <laughs> uh, no, it, it is a lot, but it is the thing where like, so Baldur's Gate, I got up to Act 3, and I'm like, okay, this is where shit's getting crazy. I'll put this off until the end of the year, and when I'll beat it completely. So it's like, basically, I have like two months where I'm not playing Baldur's Gate. Starfield, I played a lot of Starfield. I'm like, all right, I'll stop Starfield to play this for a little. Basically, when I get, I'm like, I want to switch to something, I'll switch to it and only play that thing. So I'm able to put a bunch of hours into multiple games at the same time. So I don't know. I make it work somehow. But uh, yeah, I'm ready for that DLC. It'll be good. And lastly, but not leastly, I played a little bit of Pinocchio. Play Pinocchio Souls, mm, everybody. Nice. Liza Ooh. P. One of the other Game Pass drops this week, so that's pretty good. Liza P. Party Animals and Payday Three, pretty good week. Liza P. Though, uh, the Elden Lord reign continues. I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> I'm very good at these video games. Um, I am. Chad is going to talk about it as well. I'm a pretty good amount way through. I, I think the game's like 20 hours or something, 20 or 40. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> 20 gotten, or double that. <laughs> I don't remember. Somebody said it one time and someone said another time. I've gotten past some pretty big, pretty tough bosses, and I'm continuing into my thing. And this game is awesome. I've talked to... So Trevor, I saw on Twitter, was like, I wanted to like it, but he's not really into it. And then I told Chad earlier, he's like, I know how to play the game, but just for just to be sure, tell me how you're supposed to play the game. <laughs> the game looks like Bloodborne and has similar things to Bloodborne, but it wants you to parry and block like Sekiro, which was... So when I tried to play the first boss, the boss in the demo, the puppet master, I was struggling a little bit. I was like, man, how am I supposed to... I, I keep trying to dodge and back up. And I was like, what, what if I just counter... And I countered and then beat him in two minutes. It's like, oh, so this game looks like a slow Souls game or Bloodborne where you can't counter and block, but actually they only want you to counter and block. Um, So once I figured that out, I'm having a good time. Me and Pinocchio dressing up, going around the yard, going around the factories, having a good old time. So I'm super into it. It's very good. I would say like... You know, we always made the joke of, like, fade up from black 60 frames a second. This game is yeah. just 60 frames a second. <laughs> fucking uh, Bloodborne. And I'm very happy about it. I'm playing it on performance, not performance mode, on quality, visual quality mode. And when you do that, there's a toggle for high frame rate that you can just like, hey, we'll turn this on too to, like, get as much as we can out of it. And it's running at a steady 49 frames per second for me. There you go. On quality mode. So, like, we're getting there to where we can have both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just 11 frames off, we're getting there. I think yeah. I did play it 
specifically in performance mode because I just wanted that smooth 60. I didn't even look at it in quality mode, but that's nice. Do we know yet that his both. name is Pinocchio? I mean, it was, the game's called Lies of P. Is uh-huh. that going to be the big reveal? It's like Polly Shore? Peter? Lies of, Lies Peter, of Peter? I don't know. I literally met Geppetto. <laughs> oh, yeah, He's like Geppetto hey. in there. There's not Jiminy My Cricket, boy. but there's Gemini, <laughs> and Gemini's yeah, Ge- a cricket. Gemini the cricket? Yeah, fucking, okay, yeah. No, um, you're right. It could be Peter Peter Pescadero, the puppet, but yep. I'm assuming it's Pinocchio. Peter Parker. <gasps> what if this is Spider-Man 2? <laughs> Secretly Spider-Man 2. <laughs> 40 hours in, and then you can start web-swinging? This is well. the Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes to Spider-Man 2's Phantom Pain. Yeah. Peter doesn't use as many swords as he used to back in the day, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, I have not been playing this game. Uh, however, uh, over the weekend, uh, Ryan Scott, uh, formerly of the Comedy Button, reached out to me on Discord and was like, hey, I noticed that you're playing The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. You should put that dumb game down and play Bloodborne 2, <laughs> a.k.a. Lies of P. And I was like, mm, never know. You never know. So I... Ryan Scott's behest, I may yet play Lies of Pete, but we'll, we'll get around to it. We'll get around to it in a bit. It is. Chad, if anyone did, did, like, wants to try it, there's a demo out. It's on Game Pass. It's a discounted $60 game on PlayStation 5 instead of the normal $70. Um, so it's out there. I'm like, I, I just beat the first boss, got to the hotel, and kind okay, of I'll ask you the question. Yeah, yeah. What's the first boss? Puppet Master? Puppet Master, yeah. You're saying that's the first boss. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe it's the cleric beast of Father Gascoigne. Who knows? Um, but that's who I... That's, that's who I, in the, in the demo, described as like not getting past the first boss just because I didn't want to. And then on your suggestion on like countering and blocking, I started playing it that way. Beat the boss on my first try. So... Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how they want you to play it. They don't tell you that. They're like, it looks like Bloodborne, but actually, play it like Sekiro. When you said that, I actually got a little bit discouraged because the countering system was not was what didn't click for me for Sekiro, and why I didn't get more than like halfway through that game. And it's also one of my frustrations I had with Jedi Fallen Order is that like that system didn't feel precise or good enough for me, and so I was worried going into this, but it. It seems to function very well. Also, oh, the back buttons on the DualSense Edge are so good. At oh, your little Just paddles. holding down one of them to run or dodge, and then the other one as a block. That way you don't have to do the weird trigger thing. It's mm-hmm. great. I think it's it's nice because, obviously, you want to parry right at the moment when they're hitting you. But if you also just hold it down, it blocks, and it does the thing like a Bloodborne where you lose health, but you can gain it back if you attack. Yeah. So even if you miss a counter, technically, you can get your health back. Yeah. So it's not... Not too punishing. So I did not make much progress in that this week again. I have officially surpassed where I was in the demo, but still not much progress. I did play a little bit of Super New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, since that is our barf game for the month. That's a backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. You told us on Respawn Aimfire's Patreon that you wanted us to play this game this month, so that's what we're doing. Uh, so I'm like th- halfway through the third world on that one. And my thoughts are, as Cozy says, very redacted. Uh, and I'm very redacted to talk about it at the end of the month. Um, I played that. And then before I talk about Seas of Sea of Stars, I uh, have this other one here, which means I already fucked up. I <laughs> said I wasn't going to play Baldur's Gate 3 so that I could talk about one new to me game every single week. 
and I didn't do that this week. But here's why it's okay, because the spirit of the promise lives on. I'm playing new things that aren't Destiny. You'll notice Destiny's not on here. I tried to play Destiny, but the servers are on fire and they're being DDoSed to fuck this whole week because of the, the, the Frankenstein weapon thing. So we tried to play it on three different days and you just can't. Hmm. So, oh, so you, so, and you say, I already fucked up. You had this promise of playing a new game. You tried mm -hmm. to not do the promise on purpose, but the game would not allow you to. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> okay, I did just, take just that sure. extra time that I would have poured into a new game and poured my heart and soul into Sea of Stars. And so I want uh, to use this on. as like... Hold yeah. on, real quick. Before you get into your Sea of Stars review, real quick, is that yeah. a spring inside your water bottle? It is a... It is what they call a blender bottle. So that's okay. a little tiny springy ball that acts as a whisk. So you put in usually protein powder or any number okay. of things. You shake it up and it whisks makes it all sense. It makes sense. Just uh, out of context, just seeing it out of the corner of my eye, I was like, what the hell is that? So in America, you just take water and then you just pour sugar and Kool-Aid mix in and then you just walk around and make okay, your own Kool-Aid in the Zero thing. sugar Mio fruit punch flavor. So zero okay. calories. I'm saying in the South, if you were still in South Carolina, you would be putting Kool-Aid mix in there. <laughs> or North Carolina, whatever Carolina you're from. The North one. Okay. <laughs> so Sea of Stars. I, I was 20-ish hours, I think, last week when I talked about this game, and I was gushing about it, and I beat it last night. And I not only beat it, but I immediately finished some quests and beat it again so I could see the true ending. And then I not only did that, but then I finished another quest so that I could see this Easter egg at the end of the game that was so great that, that I absolutely loved. And I, after doing that, getting every single trophy that I could do without New Game Plus, I said, I love this game so much. What else can I consume? And there's a documentary on YouTube about the making of the game. And I watched that. And I have such an appreciation and love for this game that I don't think I've felt for a game in a long time. Chad's in love. I am in, I am in love. I love this game. It is, it has quickly become, I think my favorite JRPG of all time. Wow. And so this is, this is a game made by Sabotage Studio, who the name of which I did not recognize or care about. And then as I was playing it, I was, I read somewhere or, or something was on Twitter. They're like, oh, these are the people that made the messenger. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the Messenger, that Devolver game that didn't really click for me. Um, but it's, it's a studio whose mission is to make retro-inspired games that represent what we remember playing as kids without actually being the, like, experiences themselves because they were imperfect. And now they're taking those and, like, how do we take that old shit, that old retro shit that you love so much and bring it into the modern era and make it feel like you're back in the 90s as a kid again. And they did that with this game and it was heavily inspired by obviously Chrono Trigger. In fact, the documentary opens up with the CEO of the studio talking about how he as a French Canadian, not speaking any English, went and picked this game up with his friend and they sat through it playing it, not understanding anything, but the music of that game just completely enrapturing them. And they, they fell in love with this game, Chrono Trigger, not speaking a word of English. And so, like, he has been thinking about making this game inspired by that for so long. So the way that they're doing this, they're, they're taking these 16-bit Chrono Trigger-inspired sprites, 
but they're also updating it and making it, having dynamic lighting so that no matter where you go, you're using the sun and these moon powers and it's, it's casting real time shadows and glow on all of these things, which is beautiful. The sound design is mostly evocative of what you find in the SNES chip with some updated like real life sounds like noise, wind noise and ambiance for these different environments. In fact, they even got the composer of Chrono Trigger to come back and make 10 different tracks for this game as well, because he was so into it as well. So they're like, it is so faithful to these older games. But what I really love about it is that it's no single part of this game. They take all the best parts of these games, the Super Mario RPG attack and defense system, the Chrono Trigger battles that happen right in the environment, the character progression from Super Mario RPG that's like sparse enough to feel meaningful. And they take all that and put it in this succinct package that nothing in it really overstays its welcome. They take all the best parts, cull them down into like the essence of it, and that's all that's in there. And one of the quotes from the documentary that I really connected with is like, we want the level or activity to be done before the player's done with it. They never want us to get tired of any, and that shows up in like fishing. Anytime you find a new fishing pond, there are only three fish, they're relatively easy to catch, and there are only 23 different species in the game. So it's not like you have to go out of your way to collect a thousand different types of fish. The dungeons are never too long. The environments are varied up and you, and you go from one to the next pretty quickly. So I, I'm loving this game from a mechanic standpoint. But one of my favorite things about it and what I think makes it my favorite JRPG of all time is that it streamlines everything because there's no grinding in the game. In most JRPGs, you have to grind out side quests. You have to just go battle random encounters in order to level up your characters to be strong enough. I mean, we even see it in Soulsborne's games nowadays where you have to just like go farm a bunch of enemies to level up your character a lot to fight a boss. But that doesn't really exist in this game or there's not a need to. You could if you wanted to, but there's certainly no need to. But what that allows them to do is really focus on just telling a story and focusing on these characters. And... It shows because one of the things they also mentioned in the documentary is that at any moment in this game, they want you to be able to put down the controller and be able to explain exactly what you're doing in the game, for whom you're doing it, and why you're doing this particular action in the context of the, uh, the whole story. And so it really makes that all about the story and the characters. And that, I think, it also does incredibly well. I am so enraptured by the fact that every major villain in this game has some redeeming motivation behind it. And you learn their backstory and you learn a little bit through through stories from this, this character that follows you around or through cutscenes. And you see like, oh shit, I totally see how they could have gotten to where they are today. And oftentimes there's like some way to forgive or redeem them. Um... But what I really also love about this game is that it is a story about loyal friendships and friendship always like I have so many really close friends in my life that anything that I watch that is like about best friends or about friendship just like completely makes me tear. I've cried happy tears. I cried sad tears in this game, but it just it just gets my heartstrings. So this is like about friendship at its core, even when it's not convenient, even when circumstances or people's actions make it difficult. But it's also about knowing, hey, what you're doing is not okay, and I either have to distance myself from it, or if you're willing to change, like, I have to know, know how to forgive you. Like, it's all about that. So it just speaks to my core, and I love it so much. And all of that, of course, is embodied in one of the characters you get to play as named Garl, who is basically 
just this, this dumb cook. He's so he has no powers. He only knows how to cook, but he is such a lovable character. He's the best character in the game, hands down. And he's just there because he wants to support his friends. And he knows his friends are going to like doing these life-threatening things and fighting all of these battles in the universe. And he's like, I want to tag along because I want to be with you, my friends, and support you as best as I can because that's where I'm happiest. And it's, it's, he's so great. I fucking love this game. But ultimately, not only is it just like a fantastic game with so much care put into it, it seems like it's made by a studio that just deeply cares about video games in general, but also cares about their projects and each other. And so I am officially a sabotage stan. And I am I'm gonna go back. I have the messenger on Switch. I'm gonna go back and play it. Apparently, by the way, the, uh, there are so many connections to the messenger. I had no idea playing all the way. Th I played all the way through the game. I was like, oh man. That was really cool stuff. Really cool, original, cute. Th and then I was watching some video on it and they were like, this major character was from this and we went through this environment and that was in the messenger and this, and it's oh. all connected. So there's like bosses wild. and places, right? That are all connected. Yeah, there are bosses, there are enemies, yeah. there are environments, there are parts of the entire, like figures in the entire world that are all, this takes place apparently thousands of years before the messenger, but it sets up that game. Uh, so that's cool. really cool. And that's it. Everyone should be playing Sea of Stars. It is available on PlayStation Plus Extra. It is available on uh, Xbox Game Pass. I played it on PlayStation Plus Extra and then went and bought it for $35. It costs $35. It's not even wow. full $60 or $70. It's $35 full price um, just so I could support the game. So highly recommend playing it. Chad, it's funny yeah. that you say that everybody should be playing Sea of Stars. Because I've been playing Sea of Stars too, as we talked about on the previous Mind episode of the blown. podcast. Mind blown. Uh, as we talked about on the previous episode of the podcast, uh, it was pointed out uh, that right now, while I have a month left of PlayStation Plus Extra, which I originally got so I could play Miles Morales, um, I also have free access to Sea of Stars. And so I figured, you know what? Might as well play it right here, right now. Uh, I currently am at, and just a heads up, very, very, very mild spoilers for Sea of Stars Ahead. I am just after the point in the game where you gain access to a boat and can freely traverse the seas in it. Sorry for everybody out there that is aghast to learn that there is a boat in this game that you can use to sail the seas. I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, that's where I'm at right now. And yeah, it is uh, a JRPG, or at least a uh, RPG in the style of the JRPGs of yore that I am very much enjoying. I'm actually not somebody that played uh, a ton of those style of games on the SNES back in the day. Um, as you know, I played a lot of the modern Final Fantasies, like 13 or 7 Remake. Obviously, I play a lot of Pokemon games, but never got into like... Uh, Final Fantasy 4 or 6 or Chrono Trigger. I played a fair bit of Secret of Mana on the Virtual Console on the Wii back in the day, but I never even uh, got all that far in it. Uh, and yet I've really been enjoying this game. I will say, and we will certainly discuss this a lot more in depth if we ever do a spoiler cast slash like break out our thoughts on this game into its own review here on the channel. Um, about three hours into the game, I was feeling a little bit flaky, feeling like, ah, uh, this is pretty good so far, but I feel like if I walked away from it now, I would be perfectly fine because I found the characters to be a little bit more 
archetypical than I perhaps was hoping they would be. I was like, these characters are not really speaking to me all that much. They're not really impressing me in the way that I feel like so many other modern JRPG characters do. Um, but that being said, the story does only get better. Are you specifically talking about better. the... Uh, are you- are you talking particularly about the person whose name is cliche <laughs> and and their group of, of travelers? Uh, maybe the maybe the pi- okay the the pirate people. I mean, there's uh, yeah, I guess that them too. I actually kind of like them though. I'm I'm talking more about yeah. like the the main cast of playable characters, really, um, but. I, I think that's definitely a discussion for another time. And I do want to say that I kept with the game after that point. I'm like, I'm going to see this through. And I definitely, well, I don't necessarily feel like the game fully assuaged those frustrations I had three hours in. I feel like the overarching plot uh, of it all definitely dramatically improved and got much better and yielded all sorts of interesting twists and turns that I'm definitely all in for. Uh, I am curious, based on where I'm at in the game right now, how far in am I? Am I like halfway through? You are at a point where it seems like, oh, I could be nearing maybe the the inciting, like the the action that's going to culminate in the climax. But in reality, you're about maybe twenty five percent of the way through the game. Oh. Um. And I will. It it just keeps opening up and getting wilder and twistier and turning and so much better. And I also here's here's the other thing, you're gonna beat the game, okay. because you have to, or else I'm gonna judge you. You're gonna beat the game, but at the end of the the credits it says the end question mark, and you have to beat it again, having done a bunch of the side quests to get the true ending, and it is four thousand percent worth doing that. So, okay, it might take a little bit longer, but I recommend. I spent about forty hours playing the whole thing, start to finish. Mm-hmm. And uh, collect all the conch shells, collect all the treasure chests, all that kind of stuff, um, because it is, it is very much worth getting the true ending. Okay. I mean, you know, I- I'm all in on this game. I'm definitely going to see it through to the end while I still have my month or so left of extra to go. I will say, you know, when I was reading up on this game ahead of its release, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's like a 20 hour JRPG. And what you're saying right now suggests that it's actually like way longer than that, because I've definitely been sitting in front of my TV screen for at least like 10, 15 hours at this point. You can, if you just do the main story and you don't, you ignore all of the side stuff and you you don't explore and look for treasure and that kind of stuff, like you could, get through the game maybe in 20, 25 hours, but you're not going to get what you should be getting out of this game. Okay. Okay. Uh, in addition to Sea of Stars, I also played New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe as well. Uh, I beat it, in fact. <gasps> and I think it is very, very redacted. And you will have to wait oh. till the end of the month to find just out what that means. Uh, and in addition to those two games, I also played and beat uh, The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. This is the uh, visual novel game that they released for free on Steam um, back on April 1st of this year. Everybody thought, oh, good old Sega being a bunch of yucksters releasing a bunch of fake-ass games that don't exist. No, no, this was a real game. A real game. And let me tell you, shockingly good. So much so, and I'm not even joking saying this, I think this might be 
my favorite visual novel style game that I've played and beaten this year. I've had a, you know, a bit of a run recently. You know, I played games like Goodbye Volcano High, which was, you know, good, but, you know, had some rough spots. I think this game might currently be at the top of the pack. Might. Do I want to say it's better than Vemba? I definitely enjoyed it more than Vemba, as much as Vemba was a good and important and, you know, eye-opening game. Uh, Yeah, this game is just a, a great little slice of Sonic the Hedgehog goodness that further helps, you know, build out the Sonic the Hedgehog universe, uh, bring some characters that we haven't seen in a while back into the fold, and pits them in a real fun murder mystery scenario that I will not spoil yet. Uh, although, chances are by now, if you had any interest in this game, you already played it. So, if you haven't played it yet, definitely go check it out. It's only like How two How is that game only on Steam? Boo. I don't know. Because it was a free goof game? <laughs> We <laughs> just put yeah. it on Steam because I don't. Yeah, I think it's free. I'm pretty sure it's free. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say, related to that, I've had that game downloaded for months. Uh, I just have never played it. But I did recently watch uh, Death on the Nile, the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, <gasps> in anticipation for a haunting in Venice. And I have to ask you: Is the mystery as good as Kenneth Branagh's <laughs> Perot? Perot is that the name of that guy? Is the mystery that good? I will say, I will say the revelation of who killed Sonic and how they did it is certainly something to behold. And the larger mystery of why this murder happened in the first place also has some interesting twists and turns in there. You will not see some of these reveals coming. And I'll Does Kenneth Brunoff show up and he murdered Sonic? <laughs> no. no, no very How cool. wild is I, it that that man with that disgusting facial hair? is also the villain of Tenet and is also the director of Thor. <laughs> that dude is the thing is it's so funny I guess cuz he's British but he's done like he's like done so much like yeah. He's super super successful and just like that's the guy who made Thor 1. Um but yeah, I was just saying cuz I love the end of the movie when he's like here's the mystery and he figures it out. So I'm hoping Murder Sonic the Hedgehog has a similar moment cuz that is my favorite moment in movies and it's like I figured it out. Let me explain it to you for 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking good. I uh, I didn't even mention this part, but um, in Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, the character that you play as is actually like an original, like woodland character created for the game. Uh, meaning, if ever you've had the like fantasy of, oh man, it'd be cool to just hang out with Sonic and company and you know solve a cool murder mystery. This is your opportunity to do so. It's I've like always there, wanted to do that. Holding hands with Sonic and friends. <laughs> Just having a real good time. <laughs> Very nice. Dope. Well, that's it for what we played this week. We're going to move on to our quest log. We've got a couple of stories here. First is that Steam Deck 2 could be coming, but it'll take a bit, says Taylor Lyles at IGN. Speaking to the Verve, the Verge, Valve's <clears throat> Pierre-Lou Lefay. Did I say that right, Alex? Uh, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. Pierre uh, Lou? Valves, uh, Pierre Lou Giffre. I was oh, so close. Giffre. Yeah. Uh, said that, I just know in French, like, what letters don't matter? Like, mm. the P on the end of loop. And most of Griffe. Grifface is his real... <laughs> his last name is um, Griffin, but it says Griffe for some reason. Okay, okay. Um, speaking to The Verge, Valve's person said the next iteration of the Steam Deck could be released as early as, early as late 
2025. Here's a quote. It's important to us that the deck offers a fixed performance target for developers and that the message to consumers is simple, where every deck can play the same game, Grife told The Verge. As such, changing the performance level is not something we are taking lightly, and we only want to do so when there is a significant enough increase to be had. We also don't want more performance to come at a significant cost to power efficiency and battery life. The end of the statement from Grife notes that he does not, quote, anticipate such a leap to occur for at least the next couple of years and that Valve is closely monitoring the advancements made in architecture and fabrication processes as the company is hard at work making a successor to the Steam Deck. Chad, mm -hmm. I got to give credit where credit is due. This little upstart, I thought they were a bunch of idiots. They make awful choices in their business. But I think the Switch is really given uh, this kind of revolu <laughs> revolution. Think about it. We've got two Steam Decks. We've got PlayStation Remote Play. We've got every company making a streaming device. Xbox is supposedly going to launch with a streaming device next generation. I mean, I like the idea of Steam Deck. It's awesome. Portable computer. Plays all the stuff you already own. Awesome. Yeah. But like, man, what are we... What's going on? Handheld gaming is back in a big way. We really thought it was dead for a while, but it would not <laughs> go away. Which is pretty That's cool. so wild. Shout that out startup to Nintendo. Nintendo. You know, most startups, they like they make a product yeah. in hopes of attracting a buyout from a larger like mm -hmm. company. And so when Microsoft came knocking and said, Hey, we want to buy you, they said, No, I think we've got something here. We're we figured stick, it out. We're gonna stick with it. Respawn to continue a popular franchise, and no, it's not Titanfall. Lol. Jordan Miller at VGC says. <clears throat> Cal Kestis actor Cameron Monaghan said that he is currently working on a third Star Wars Jedi game. During a panel at Ocala Comic Con, Monaghan said, that's, that's a lot of... Where's Ocala that Comic Con, Ocala, Ocala Comic Con Monaghan. <laughs> uh, he said, we're working on a third, and we're in the process of doing that right now. That's a big undertaking, and there have been some conversations so far, but hopefully when all things, when all things are said and done, we'll be able to go in and make something really cool. This panel took place only shortly before Stig Asmussen, the director of both Star Wars Jedi games, announced that he was leaving developer Respawn Entertainment. As reported by Bloomberg, Asmussen is leaving Respawn and its parent company EA with his next destination currently unknown. He knows it. He's not, like, missing persons. But he's not at EA anymore. They just released a statement. He's been gone for, like, 72 hours. They're like, just say, he's, just say he left the company. We don't know where he is. <laughs> We weren't allowed to say anything until the police made us wait 72 hours before we filed a report. Now we can do it. But again, this is the... I Again, I don't work in video games. Obviously, they're going to make another one. This game's successful, sold a lot. People like it. Makes yep. sense to do a trilogy. The fact that that game released earlier this year, and they're already working on it. Now, my assumption is for him as the actor... Like, that means that they've got story stuff or, like, mocap stuff set up already. Yeah. Like... They've been working. I don't know. I, I don't know the process and how yeah. long. I mean, a lot of the, in, the, the voice stuff and like uh, mocap stuff tends to be done like early in advance. It does feel very soon, but you'd have to imagine that they've probably been in pre-production on this game since before Survivor even released. Before two came so, out. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess the timeline works out. It just it does feel a little bit soon. It does feel a little weird to announce it like this, but. I mean, it has been a weird, a weird week for announcements. What with 
Ubisoft announcing the Division 3 via press release. But a press release. That's another story. You know what's really funny, now that it makes sense that he said it so early, is that the pipeline is probably, okay, this game's going to come out. Let's start pre-production on the next one. Have writers making a story. So he has something to work with. He can't mention it unless he has something to work with. So whenever like a game like comes out and they're like a week later the story's like oh yeah they've got uh, it picked up for a third it's like they're like I hope to God this game does well enough because we've already been working on it for nine months so let's hope <laughs> that we get a three because we've already put in the work is my assumption but now good for them I like those games I'd be happy to see the end of a trilogy and there's a lot of good story stuff in there that means a lot to the overall canon. Well, that's it for our quest log. And that brings us now to segment from Adadadum. Segment from Adadadum. Hey, it's me, everybody. Segment from Adam. We're going to have a real good man. I'm bringing it back. This is my favorite <gasps> segment, uh, without a doubt. Speaking of Dominic Monahan and Akala Comic Con, Akala Comic Con <laughs> Monahan, we're going to play ourselves. A little six degrees of Kevin Bacon is being John Malkovich. Great. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Cozy, I don't think you were here for the last one. Yeah, there's this so. little game that people play called like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like, oh, the idea is you say this actor did a thing with this person, did a thing with this person, and you connect it around. Like, oh, A was in a movie with B, who's in a TV show with C, and that's how they know um, Peter Griffin, whatever. Uh, it's not a real person. <laughs> so the idea is. We're doing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's related to video games, right? I'm going to go ahead and start with, and by the way, all these people are from Jedi, the the Jedi series, you know. Okay. As, you know, as pertinent to the last story that we had. So, stick with me. You're going to get two guesses per person. Stick with me. You have to pay very close attention to the way I read this and these, and these clues, right? Cameron Monaghan was in Shameless. He was in Shameless with an actor named William H. Macy, who starred in a movie called Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alongside returning Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon as being John Malkovich contestant Sam Neill. You remember mm-hmm. Sam Neill was the ending person at one of the things last time, Chad. We're not talking about Sam Neill. Instead, we're talking about his co-star from Jurassic Park 1, Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum has voice acted in video games besides Jurassic Park. So it is not a Jurassic Park video game. One of those games was 1996's Goosebumps Escape from Horrorland. <laughs> of course what classic, what classic horror slash Goosebumps character did Jeff Goldblum voice in that video game? Oh, God. So Cameron Monaghan did Jeff Goldblum in a Goosebumps game. <laughs> What's the character that Jeff Goldblum... <laughs> it's a Goosebumps video game. He was a classic horror slash Goosebumps character. You have two guesses. I bet that he voiced R.L. Stein himself. I bet that R.L. Stein oh. was like a character in the game creating the Goosebumps monsters, and he voiced that character. He voiced Jack Black's character. Exactly. Yeah, from the movie. I fucking love that movie. Uh, incorrect, Cozy. Your first oh. guess is incorrect. I'm going to say there was one of them that had like a demonic teddy bear. Did he voice a demonic mm-hmm. teddy bear? He was not a teddy bear of any kind. Damn it. You have one guess apiece. I don't know what its name is, but I know that okay. there's a like possessed demonic dummy, like as in like the puppet. Mm. Did he voice that? That puppet would be Slappy the puppet. He did not voice <laughs> Slappy the <laughs> evil puppet. Slappy, yeah, that ventriloquist dummy. 
That that definitely gave me nightmares. Scared the shit out um, of me as a kid. Chat, there's gonna be some kind of cast? clown. Did he? Did he? Did he voice a clown? <laughs> no, Jeff Goldblum did not voice a clown. Damn. Jeff Goldblum, by the way, very famous for doing a lot of like animation and weird stuff in the '90s. Like he was on Captain Planet and all kinds of shit. Jeff Goldblum voiced Count Dracula in the Goosebumps video game from 1996. Uh, okay, I would have okay. taken Vampire or Dracula, but he did do that. That's I'm, fine. Uh, we'll move on to our uh, next uh, one. Uh, Dracula. Uh, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it sounded uh, like. I'm uh, sure. I'm gonna, uh, suck, suck, your suck your bud. <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. All right. This is a classic one. Deborah Wilson, yep. who mm-hmm. played Seer in uh, Jedi games, has many video game credits. Tons of them. Tons of them. Chad, you would know some of those. Among mm-hmm. some of those credits, she worked alongside our king, rest in peace, Lance Reddick, in Destiny. So... This one is simpler, but more hard. Name for me either two credits for Lance Reddick or four credits for Deborah Wilson that are not Destiny related. Uh, he played the one dude in the Remedy game. That's Quantum Break. With the time Quantum Break. I yeah. need two games for Lance Reddick or four for Deborah Wilson. Okay. That are not Destiny. You what if we get one, one Lance Reddick and two Deborah Wilson? <laughs> they would need to be... Two and three. Okay. Lance Reddick in Quantum Break, for sure. Deborah Wilson in in multiple Wolfenstein games. Okay. I can give you that. She was in Wolfenstein's. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can Um, either give me another Lance Reddick or two more Deborah Wilson's. (laughs) 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 Um, She was... You as well, Cozy. You can keep thinking as well. I, I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because I definitely looked up. Oh, uh, yeah. Hold on. Horizon. Horizon Forbidden West. Exactly. Horizon Zero Dawn. Exactly. Lance Reddick okay. played uh, Silence. Yes. Yeah. You, you guys both were mentioning it. I'm going to give you guys both a point. So it's basically oh, like it a competition. Yeah. I thought it was a, a cooperative No, it's thing. a competition. I it's remember fine. the Silence one because when uh, Lance Reddick passed on Reset Era, the like thread that they made for his passing was a moment of silence. Oh, very cool. Mm. In doing this uh, research, I remember, Chad, when we were watching, I believe, Gamescom, Lance Reddick, we thought he was in Alloway 2. That is not him. There's a different actor. But Lance Reddick in Quantum Break mentions something about being, his character's name is Hatch, and he mentions being a multidimensional powers. And the guy in this game, his name is Mr. Door, looks very similar to Lance Reddick. So people are like, maybe it's a multidimensional version of Lance Reddick. So- right. I remember the voice being off. I'm like, whoa, that is not, that is a different voice from Lance Reddick. But interesting. Yes. Okay. I'm forgetting his name. The guy who's like the face of Remedy Entertainment. Sam Lake. Sam Lake. He was recently on uh, one of Kind of Funny's podcasts. And on that podcast, he confirmed that there is no narrative connective tissue between Quantum Break and like the other games that they've worked on. I mean, they can keep telling me that. Yeah, there are there are things written uh, well, on chalkboards about those other games. In I, I think Quantum the problem, Break. I think the problem with Quantum Break is that one is owned wholly yeah. by Xbox. It's owned by, so they can't yeah. they can't like, a, legally say they're connected. There but are they news are, reports about Alan Wake in the opening of Quantum Break. Yes, I know. Again, legally, like legally, these aren't connected, <laughs> but we know that they were all connected. So yes, I'll give you that. Lance Reddick also was in Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> and John Wick Hex. So I would have accepted those answers oh, as nice, well. Nice. Yep. Um, Hit that big ass ramp. Destiny. <laughs> That's what it was. The last one, guys. This is for the win. 
This one is a doozy, and this is my favorite. Ooh, okay. All right. Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. reprises his role as Saw Gerrera in Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. He also shared a credit in a music video with T-Pain, who is a known Twitch streamer, okay. as well okay. as Jamie Foxx. Right? They were in, uh, what was that? Blame it on the drink or whatever. Uh, yes. Jamie Foxx returned as Electro in Spider-Man No Way Home, where he came close to, but did not interact with MCU glue, Benedict Wong. <laughs> Benedict okay. Wong has a single video game credit. What game is it? Hint, it is now a Microsoft-owned studio who made the video game. Fuck. So we got from Forrest Whitaker to Benedict Wong in a Microsoft-owned video game. Is it an obscure video game adaptation of Danny Boyle's Sunshine that I didn't know until this moment existed? That's a good movie. It's a good movie, movie, but no, I don't believe That's the movie that convinced Marvel and Kevin Feige that Chris Evans could play a serious role. Could be. Yeah. 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 He's very good. Uh, No, it it has nothing to do with a video game that does not exist, Cozy. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, Was he Banjo in (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie? No. And also, I can go ahead and tell you, that's also not the studio. Okay. Okay. I'll give you guys a hint, just because it could be difficult. It is a... Oh, God. How do I say this correctly? Bethesda-owned studio. Oh. So not necessarily Bethesda, but like, you know, everything that Bethesda owns. Benedict Wong has a single credit in one of those video games. Is he the final boss in Doom Eternal? Doom Eternal is not the correct answer. Damn it. I believe Deborah Wilson is the final boss. (laughs) (laughs) Is he a character in Dishonored? No, he's not. I'm going to okay. give the win to Cozy because it was oh. Prey. And that oh. is the same studio who made Dishonored. So I guess you're closer. Wow. Okay. Wow. He now was in we Prey see where 2017. The scratched for these Rafferties and stuff. No, okay. You okay. know what? You both tied. You both lost. You both won at the same time. <laughs> I got a question yeah. for you. Exit survey. <laughs> is this like the greatest segment of all time or not? It just makes me scratch my brain from the inside. Don't you love how my mind works? We're like, <laughs> yes. how do we get from Forrest Whitaker to Jamie Foxx to Benedict Wong to Prey? Come on, guys. That's that's pretty big good. noodle up here. Pretty yep. Yep. good. That's my that's my segment. That's it. Have fun. Love it. Now we're uh, for our new returning quick. segment. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Because we got to a bit of a late start, can yeah. we skip this week's cozy question of the week and head straight into game on game show we can we can that'll save me from saying the the kkk again so we're gonna go straight to game on game show the game on our game show we play a game called game on the gaming show on our game show game 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 where we're gonna turn it over to alex for more tmi with npd i'm thank you i'm dumb i'm dumb i'm thanos uh hello everybody And welcome to another installment of TMI with NPD, this time for the year 2003. Uh, We've been going through these years with quite the clip, but just to catch everybody back up to speed uh, in this recurring game show, I'm going to be asking the two of you to guess uh, what the top 10 best-selling games of the year were per the NPD group. Uh, With each game, I'm going to state a series of clues of increasing specificity, and each of you, for each 
game have two tries to guess what it is. If you let me speak more, I'll give out more clues that may lead you closer to the answer. But if you guess first, only you will get the point. Ready to go? Let's go. Just as a refresher, what console generation was this? This was the PlayStation 2 original Xbox GameCube. Cool, 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 cool. All right, here we go. Number 10. The number 10 best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is an action-adventure game. It is a returning game from the 2002 list. It's a game that is set in the year 1986 and Metal Gear Solid. That is incorrect. Uh, No, I'm not going to say the other one. And it is a game that Adam immediately knew the moment I said the first name of its most prominent voice talent. Don't remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> voice it's so talent. Wild. This was literally an answer from two weeks ago. I was like, I don't know, yeah. fuck all. Uh-huh. It is an action-adventure game. Mm-hmm. It's a returning mm-hmm. game from the 2002 list. It's a game that is set within the year 1986, and it's a game that Adam immediately knew the moment I said the oh, first name. That is correct. Ray Liotta, uh, Vice City. That's what it was. Grand Theft Auto, Vice City. There we go. All right. Number nine. The number nine best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is a sports game. Madden NFL 2024. You are both incorrect. It's part of the franchise that actually did not make a top 10 spot on the 2002 list, uh, but has appeared on these lists before. It's about a sport that was invented in the late 1800s by a Canadian in Massachusetts. NBA Live 04. NBA 2K. Shit. Adam is correct. NBA it Live, is not 2K. NBA Live 2004. I don't know the difference. <laughs> There's a difference. Thank God you don't. <laughs> number eight. The number eight best-selling game of the year, 2003, per the NPD group, is for the first time in a long time, a Nintendo game. Mm. It's a game that features a grappling hook. Uh, Zelda Wing Wind Waker. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was was like, like, what's an aspect of this game that I can lead with that won't immediately give it away because there are so many things about it that are iconic. And I was like, it's one of the few... Zelda games that has a grappling hook, which is like not like a typical weapon in those yeah, games. Yeah, because Tomb Link has a grappling hook, yeah. Yeah. That's All right. Foolish. Number seven. Uh, the number seven best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is another sports game. Madden NFL 24. Uh, that is incorrect. Man, it begins <laughs> with an acronym <laughs> that is four letters long. Uh, that is correct, Adam. God damn. And it. so Adam currently has three <laughs> points, and Chad has one points. One point. Sorry, I need to be particular. It's not plural singular. yet. Not plural yet. <laughs> Number six. 
the number six best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is a first-person shooter. It is the fifth installment in an EA-owned franchise. It is set within the Pacific Theater. And its subtitle is a reference to a nickname for an East Asian country. It's a first-person shooter. Medal of Honor Rising Sun? That is correct. Ah, yeah. I was like, which Medal of Honor is it? Yeah, there's so many... I was about There's to say, so many like, these fucking World War II games with weird subtitles coming up. It's going to be yep. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Number five. The number five best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is one of the first Grand Theft Auto knockoffs to release in the wake of GTA 3. Hmm. It is an Activision published game. That is incorrect. It is an Activision published game that got mixed to positive reviews. Activision. It's the first entry in a franchise that Sleeping Dogs, the 2012 action True game, Crimes, Streets of LA. That is correct. Uh, and with I that, know what that is. <laughs> Adam so currently has Sleeping Dogs. Yeah, yeah. five points. Chad has one point. Yeah, it was um, Sleeping Dogs was originally going to be true crime hong kong and then they were like what if we spun this out into its own thing very good okay very underrated uh sleeping dogs very underrated very good here we go number four the number four best-selling game of the year 2003 per the npd group is a different kind of sports game well not technically a sequel it's intimately related to games that were very popular over the previous few years. Unlike these prior games, however, this game, you could explore its environments on foot. Twin Oak Underground? That is correct. Dookie. Ooh. Ch- Chad, I don't oh think it's... God. It's literally impossible. We're just we're just getting to these years where they're all the games that I don't play. I don't play GTA. I don't play sports. I don't say. play war games. It's just here's what I'll say, Chad. Damn it! To make this a little bit more competitive, <laughs> if you can get the next one correct, I will give you five points. Oh, because I'm going to let yeah. you know. I'm going to get this it. next one a bit of a doozy, but okay. we'll, we'll get into it. How many points right. do I actually have right now? Six. Like real points? Six points. Okay. So yeah. I don't care if you give Chad five. I'm still. I have. All right. Uh, number three. The number Madden three. NFL 2004. <laughs> that is incorrect. Oh, throw another one out there, Chad, please. <laughs> the number three best-selling game of the year 2003 per the NPD group is a licensed game that I am shocked is as high as it is on this list. It's a game that was produced and chronologically takes place concurrently to the movies that it is based on Lord of the Rings Return of the King that is incorrect and you are out Damn of it. guesses mm. it is a game and and Chad you really should have waited for me to read this next clue <laughs> it is a game with a bullet time mechanic fuck my fucking butt and if you too wanted to enter its universe mm. you 
would need a red pill. Enter the Matrix. That is correct. <sighs> Number three, huh? People yeah. were really into the Matrix, weren't they? Yeah. So that game is interesting because, as I Remember said, when in the clues, everyone had that digital green wallpaper on all their shit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This game featured like a bunch of like live action, like footage stuff that was filmed concurrently to the Matrix yeah. Reloaded and Revolution stuff. Right. And apparently what I've read is that she got like really winded during filming because she's like, is this for the movie or is this for the game? I'm like so confused <laughs> of what's going on. And that game's canon, right? Like to the Matrix yeah, I mean, like, it was can it was canon back in the day, at the very least. Yeah, I don't know if Resurrections what that yeah. what that movie did. I, could, I haven't seen it. All right, number two, uh, the number two best selling game. Uh, that is incorrect. Okay, <laughs> best selling game of the year two thousand three for the NPD group is a racing game. It was the first game in its series to offer a career mode. That featured a comprehensive storyline. Need for Speed. If it is uh, that your final answer, Underground. Need for Speed Underground. That is incorrect. That is correct. I was, oh, I was about to say incorrect, but you actually—that's <laughs> the only Need for Speed game I know the name of. <laughs> that was good too. That, that was puts, a good one. Uh, Adam at seven points and Chad at two points. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yes, Chad. You're coming back. Man, and finally. Madden NFL 04. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Best-selling game of the year 2003 is Madden NFL 04. I will say, good job on Madden here because it'd been a few years since it had topped the list. Madden NFL mm. always, you know, shows up in like the top 10, but it's rare that it actually tops the list. Um, some highlights. Also, EA. EA is all yeah. over that motherfucker. Jeez. EA, like, so many EA games on this list. Uh, some other highlights from the 11 to 20 spots. Uh, in the number 12 spot, uh, number 15 spot, and number 17 spot, we have not one, not two, but three Nintendo games. We have Mario Kart Double Dash, Pokemon mm -hmm. Ruby, and Pokemon Sapphire. Good stuff. Uh, in the number 18 spot, we have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, uh, oh, the so first good. in that franchise. Uh, and at the number 20 spot, not for any points, but we have another GTA knockoff from that early era of GTA knockoffs. Do either of you want to... Saints Row. It is not uh. Saints Row. Anyone want to hazard another guess? Uh, fuck, man. I don't know. Is it like... No, those games came out later. I don't know what came out this early that was a knockoff. It was Simpsons Hit and Run. Ah... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And with that, we have reached the end of TMI with NPD. Uh, two weeks from now, we will be doing the year 2004. I would love for you, Alex, next time to pick some games to sell better in 2004 that I'm familiar with. So just, just I mean, it's not how right statistics work. <laughs> it's brought up to me. I, I, I didn't decide on the list. The, the American consumers did. You're right. In you're 2003. Right. Well, that's it for Game on Game Show. That is it for episode 324 of Respawn Aim Fire. If you are a listener, which most of you are right now, some of you are watchers, some of you are the watcher, uh, go to patreon.com slash Respawn Aim Fire, where you can vote on what we're playing next month. The poll should be up sometime this week. Um, patreon.com slash Respawn Aim Fire, you get to vote on that. You can also vote on it on Twitter. However, your Twitter vote only counts as one cumulative vote as a whole of Twitter. 
and you get a much higher weighted vote on Patreon. So go there, do that. And while you're there, you can also get exclusive monthly access to our newest RAF game show. The one that is currently exclusive is RAF Pretty with Jacob McCourt, Adam Gumbert, and Luke Lewis. Uh, coming up next month, we've got another episode of Rafferty with some fun guests that you get access to. And then the, the Jacob McCourt one and Luke Lewis one becomes free for everyone to go on YouTube and see. So go there, check it out. It's going to be fun. And um, uh, that's it. Adam, you look like you want to say something. No, not You're just, just uh, thanks for being okay. here, Chad and Alex. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah. Alex, where can people find all of your things that you do, etc.? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Is your Cozy Bear moniker slowly going away now that you don't have... Uh, do you do Twitch anymore? No. Um, I, I'm still like... So obviously, Cozy Bear is not my handle on Twitter, but I'm still like my nickname on Twitter that I can edit at any ah, time is right, Cozy right. Bear over there. Yeah, it, it, I I really messed up, and back in the day, I didn't snag Cozy Bear right away on both Twitter and a bunch of these social accounts. And so, on a lot of these social accounts, I'm at Alex Casina or at Alexander Casina. But I would I try to be Cozy Bear wherever I can. Is there some idiot who has Cozy Bear on Twitter who like hasn't done anything in like six years or something? There is. He's he's like a guy that that's like in his like sixties or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I tried asking him if I could get the Cozy Bear moniker, but he was unwilling to budge. This was like years ago. Yeah. Uh, How hard is to bring it? up now, Chad? Hold on, hold on. How hard you is it in Canada that. to legally change your name so that you might just choose a different name that's readily available? Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, I mean, not that hard. I would not change my name to Cozy Bear, though. Kazina is a, a good name. Well, I mean, you could change your name to like Alex Crustata, and then you can be Krusty Bear. <laughs> And I like that, like that was available a everywhere. Who knows? That was the entirety of the road in terms of how much of a walk that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam, what was your other thing before we go? Before we leave, um, you said I had anything interesting to say. I've been uh, watching football and running the show, so not really. But I just uh, – a gnat flew by. And when I was in – I'm going to say third or fourth grade, uh, we were having a spelling contest. And I spelled mm -hmm. gnat with a G because it's spelled with a G. Right. And the teacher argued and said I got the answer wrong. Oh, and I literally shit. have never forgiven her. That's why I brought Fucking it up when I'm Kentucky, a 32-year-old man. man. Fucking Kentucky. She wasn't even a teacher. She was a daycare like assistant. Like, let's do a, a spelling bee. I'm like, G-N-A-T. They're like, that's wrong. I'm like, no, that's G silent. It's dumb. That's why I know how this word is spelled. Let's move on. I'm like, fucking excuse me? <laughs> move on? <laughs> I've never been able to move on. That's it. Damn. Till next time, here's our usual sign-off. Nat has a G.